picture, but right now on the line from uh, what I assume could be Wellington. I'm not actually quite sure. Didn't ask. It's Andrew Little, Labour leader. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Jamie. It is. I am in Wellington. Nice. Very good. Working hard, no doubt. I actually just arrived in the office with my coffee. <laughs> first, first order of business. <laughs> yes, I think it's the first order of business for the majority of the country. So we, um, you know, um, it's uh, you've got that in common with the people, which is nice. It's good. <laughs> It's good. It's good. Very good. All right. Um, this is going to be the beginning. It's our first of a, um, which will be um, bi-weekly chats, um, of which we will discuss um, the um, labour policies and the uh, and the like leading up to the 2017 election. And I'll be doing this with the um, leaders of other parties as well. Um, so I thought um, to kick them off, uh, we'll talk a, a, about a couple of Dunedin issues, a couple of a big ones, and especially I, I think one that um, is uh, important to a lot of people in Dunedin uh, is the. Dunedin Hospital. Uh, it's a bit of a time bomb um, waiting to go off. Uh, many buildings are either past the use-by date or close to it. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, they've been exploring the issues. Um, there, there's talk about um, building a hospital. They've, they've put in some plans, and it seems like we're getting somewhere, and all of a sudden there's a halt. Um, and that's concerning to the people of Dunedin. Um, where does Labour sit on the Dunedin Hospital? Yeah, well, we think that the hospital does need to be um, replaced on the main hospital building. I visited it last year. I was stunned to see the state that it was in and just the cramped uh, conditions that uh, surgeons and others are having to operate under. It's, um, it just seems crazy to me. And it, the building is, is run down badly. It's uh, you know, looking at it from the outside structurally, you, you wonder how much longer it's going to last. So um, we would accelerate that and get, get that building underway. It's important, not just because for the health of Dunedin people, but actually it's attached to the medical school there. Yeah. And the, the one thing you want to, you know, in a, a teaching hospital and a medical school, is a hospital that kind of looks up to the task. Right now, the Dunedin Hospital isn't. Yes, that's right. The other words that are coming out from the government too is, um, you know, they talk about uh, they're committed to the health of the region, yet in the same breath they're talking about downgrades to services uh, and, and uh, more privatisation. Um, and that can be an issue for the university and the medical school. If you're going to downgrade services uh, at a major training hospital, um, that means there's going to be um, less services or less training provided to students. Uh, and that, in terms, could um, be a downgrade for the medical school itself? Well, I think that, you know, we're going to have Otago Medical School, one of only two that we've got, that has a very strong international reputation, does great stuff. We, if we want to attract uh, not only the, the best and the brightest in New Zealand, but from around the world, we've got to have a, a medical school and a, an associated hospital that is you know, fit for purpose and up to the task and, and reflects you know, the, the level of excellence that we want the medical school to be uh, aiming for. So it is important. Um, I know that the Southern DHB, the combination of Otago and Southland, has been struggling, um, big issues. They've got a commissioner in there, all that, you know, those sorts of things. And you know, with a large rural catchment, there's always going to be struggles to kind of get the right level of services to fund them correctly. But mm -hmm. for Dunedin and for the Otago Medical School, it is vital that we have... Um, the best, uh, you know, hospital conditions that we can have, and we've just got to do better than what's there now. So, would you be committed to not downgrading services at the hospital, keeping them as if, not moving um, certain departments on to Canterbury, um, which has been talked about in the past? Uh, we won't be downgrading Dunedin Hospital services. We need those services there, not only for the good of 
that uh, you know, the southern community, but also for the um, as a teaching hospital attached to the university. We've got to keep those services there. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. One other thing that is going on in Dunedin in terms of health is, um, you know, we're sticking to the medical theme. The Dunedin physio pool, the physiotherapy pool upgrade, that's in danger again. Um, some um, it's taking a bit longer than uh, some had hoped. There were some um, grants given, and now they've been taken back because of time um, commitments around those grants and when they had to be used by. Uh, and of course, with physiotherapy, uh, that's uh, one one of the major factors for um, that having that pool is to get the people back to work early, get them off ACC earlier, so in turn um, paying tax and not using taxpayer funds um, uh, in terms of ACC and them sitting uh, at home and not getting better. Um, where does Labour sit on the Dunedin physiotherapy pool? Yeah, I mean, it certainly makes sense. I mean, physiotherapy is one of the easiest treatments to get. You get, you know, you got a muscular or musculoskeletal condition that requires a bit of work, a bit of attention, a bit of therapy. I mean, that's um, that's what you do now. That's why, you know, a few years ago, um, ACC made it a lot easier to get access to physiotherapy because it was such an obvious first port of call and mm-hmm. treatment. Um, and having access to the physio pool, you know, just a, a equally important part of that. As anything else, I'm not right up with the play about why why the delays. I'm I'm certainly disturbed to hear that money that had been granted or pledged on the basis that the um, upgrade would go ahead has now been withdrawn because of the delay in getting the work done, and that that just seems totally wrong. So, um, but I mean, you can take it from me, we would want to see that facility, um, you know, the upgrade proceed and that facility be available because. It, it won't just be for, for the benefit of people in Dunedin, it'll be a much wider area than that. And those are the sorts of facilities that we need to make, um, you know, get people back on the feet as quickly as we can. Yes, and these are all community-based funding projects because the government has not pledged any money, nor, nor has the District Health Board. And I know the District Health Board is under pressure, but it seems to me um, that uh, health uh, is an issue where uh, profit shouldn't come into it. Um, I mean, what, what we've, we've seen in the last, we know in the last six years, $1.7 billion has been cut from the health budget. The health funding hasn't kept pace with the, the rise in population and the changing profile of the population, the fact that we've got you know, more people ageing more quickly. That, mm-hmm. That's the reality. So the formula that was decided years ago, decades ago, um, this government hasn't stuck to. That, that's why we're having the problems that we've got with various aspects of health funding. And, of course, what they do is they... They start cribbing back the money on the things that they don't think they're going to be very loud voices shouting about it. And we see that, you know, so the physio pool um, upgrade, we'll see it with mental health services and with other areas too. And huge underspending and under-resourcing of it. And all it's doing is is creating problems further down the track and shifting the cost of the problem elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It's crazy economics and it's not good. That's why you know, we're totally committed to turning back the health cuts. It won't, you know, not something we can do quickly, but... We will um, over time, because uh, the truth is, the health of a nation. You know, you've got to keep, you've got to get people healthy, um, keep them on their feet, keep people, you know, occupied. Because there's another, there's a different price to pay for it if we don't get there right. There's a get right, and and it's a price that future generations will have to pay. Exactly. With with the ageing population, uh, and which is very important, of course, to Dunedin, as we have a very youthful population yeah. <laughs> uh, with the students here. So that's good to hear. Um, right, just quickly, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about, and I know it's something that um, Labour is very concerned about, is the state of yeah. New Zealand rivers, mm. um, and 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 I hope hopefully that will be a big issue of um, the election. I'm not quite sure. Um, there's talk that it will be, but I don't know if if uh, urban New Zealanders, um, you know, feels that like they might have forgotten the importance of the 
the rivers to the country. Um, and, and down this end of the country, we see in the Maniatoto and the, and the Mackenzie Basin, intensive dairying uh, and intensive irrigation. Um, so it's sucking water out of the rivers uh, and replacing, and then you have leaking nitrogen and phosphate and the like going back into the rivers and now we're having issues especially in Canterbury with toxic blooms and areas where Kiwis used to play and swim. Um, what exactly is Labour's policy on this and would we at any stage see a cap in irrigation completely uh, and no new irrigation scheme started up because it just seems like we're drawing too much water as it is. Yeah so we are, in terms of water standards we're committed to a, a swimmable water standard quality um, which is, you know, the government says, I think, weightable. It's got to be swimmable. I, I grew up swimming in rivers around Taranaki. Um, they were clean enough to swim in then. Uh, the rivers that I swam in as a kid that you can't swim in now. So <clears throat> we've got to do that. It's going to take a generation to clean those rivers up. And we're going to do that. <clears throat> we can only do that by changing farming practices. We have to. We've got to stop the loading up of nutrients onto pasture and onto soils, which is leaching out into the waterways and creating the problems that we've got. And that's so that, that's why you know we're going to have to commit ourselves to it and commit ourselves to the time it will take to clean up those waterways, work with the farming industry um, to change their practices. And, and part of the part of the plan is we've got to shift away from our dependence on primary production mm-hmm. in our economy into other activities that, that you know, generate income, that generate wealth, um, and as the basis on which we you know we sustain our people. Um, so it is it's, it's multi-pronged. It's going to take a while, but we are totally committed to it. Yes, and that's the thing. It will take a long time, uh, and, and these things will keep leaching. Because, um, you know, I worry about the farming block. It's a very strong lobbying group um, who put a lot of pressure on on the government, uh, and they do um, bring a lot of income for the country. Um, but you know, it seems to me it may be the end. You know, will will there be a point in which we have to say that there's no more dairy conversions? Oh, I'm not sure we necessarily get to that point. We do have to look at it, the intensification of dairy and say that you, you just cannot have that many head of stock on that, that chunk of land. Yep. And you can't continue to put that quantity of nutrients on that uh, you know, that piece of land or that pasture without it damaging other parts of the, the ecology. And that, that's what's happening now. And I think you do have to, you know, there's no point in saying to farmers, you know, go fill your boots, go for your life. You know, no one cares about the future, actually. It's their future, too. Mm-hmm. If they're going to farm in a way that's going to destroy the future opportunities for future farmers, then you know, they're cutting their own throats in the long run. So we're going to have to have that debate and that discussion with the farming community, but in the end, you know, it's, it's all. You know, this is a country for all New Zealanders. No, no one sector owns it or gets to command what happens to it. We've got to have a country that is about, um, and a government that's about, ensuring a future for all its people. And we do have to get the environmental issues under control, especially when it comes to water standards. Without, without doubt, without doubt. Well, um, Andrew Little, I believe it there. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Yeah, Jamie, talk uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you very much. Yeah, then, bye. Bye. Andrew Little there, leader of the Labour Party, talking about uh, the hospital upgrade. It seems like Labour will be committed to getting that done and keeping it at the same standard, which I think is very important. And I know that a lot of you out there, I think every single body listening to me right now, would totally wholeheartedly agree. Um, so some great words coming out from him there. Um, and hopefully um, that's a promise that will be kept. Um, and hopefully um, he'll look in, you, you never know, um, you know, talking about the physiotherapy pool there, he, he's not across it very well, um, but I know that um, both Claire Curran and Dr David Clark are, uh, and 
someday maybe we would um, see some government money going into that um, or the talk about that up into the next election and perhaps we can get that physio pool uh, back upgraded and working for the community which is very important uh, and um, after you, you uh, get back to uh, full fitness you can go for a swim in a river that'd be nice wouldn't that be nice all right it's almost time for news headlines here's